0: Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 10 For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon I will visit you now you understand that the people of God Israel have been or were to be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And that's interesting to me because according to the scripture, the psalmist said that we are only guaranteed in this life uh, three score and ten and some by reason of strength more. But really virtually a generation was to spend time in captivity. The Lord had made a promise that he was going to bring them out and he would visit them and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. I want to read that one more time for I know the thoughts, even though they were in captivity, even though they were seemingly conquered, even though they were in this place uh, that they were being ruled by other folks and in bondage, if you will, the Lord never stopped thinking about them. It doesn't matter where you are today or what you're going through or facing right now. Can I say that the Lord has plans for your life? He has thought about this service. He has thought about each person that is here. He knows, he knows his desire for each individual that is in this place. He has a perfect will. I don't believe that anything is happenstance with God. I don't believe God is taken aback by any situation and says, well, I don't know, uh, I guess I'll have to use a different strategy or I'll have to go to plan B with this. That isn't how it works with God. He said, I know my thoughts towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace. What a good word for today's times. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. In other words, I already know what my plan is. If I can get you to follow that plan, if I can get you to get on board with that plan, I have an expected end for your life. No matter where you are, what you're facing, what you're going through, how strong those are that conquer you right now, I've got a plan. And there is an expected end. And victory is a part of that plan. Overcoming is a part of that plan. You coming out of captivity and bondage is a part of that plan. Can I say that, that if you're here in this service this morning and there's things in your life that have restricted and suppressed you. Maybe there's habits. Maybe there's addictions. Maybe there's problems. Maybe there's difficulties. And you've had a hard time overcoming them. God has an expected end that is better than what you walked in here with. Hallelujah. There's a conclusion, a victory. and The Bible said that we can be made more than conquerors. Hallelujah. And so I want to I preach about those last few words there and expected in, and expected in. We need the help of the Lord here today. I believe that the Lord is able to help us as his people. You believe that? Why don't you raise your hands with me and let's pray again right now for the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the remainder of our service today. Jesus, we pray, O oh God, that you would touch and you would strengthen. Your word would penetrate deep into every heart that is here I pray, God, that you would save, deliver, set free, fill with the Holy Ghost. Do your work and will in this house. In Jesus' powerful and holy name, would you give him praise again? Would you give him thanks again? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for standing this morning. The year 2020... When it came around on January the 1st, you know, there was a lot of people that had great anticipation and it was and is a significant milestone for various reasons. The beginning of a new decade, always the beginning of a new year is a time when people take inventory and uh, kind of push reset on their lives and endeavor Uh, to make necessary changes and course adjustments, maybe even write down some goals and resolutions of what they would like to achieve in the new year. But even more than that, this was a new decade. And with a new decade, of course, we're thinking of how we want to spend the next 10 years of our lives and how we want to invest them. And not only that, we know that it was 20 years into a new century, and I noticed that because of the cliche uh, 2020 and how we use it as far as our vision is concerned, meaning clear vision, pristine vision, perfect vision being 2020, uh, a lot of churches hooked on to that idea, and uh, various places that I uh, have been. i noticed that they have made the theme, or maybe they have a banner up, uh, 2020 vision. But yet I don't know of a year that has been full of any more surprises than the year 2020. Uh, I don't know of a year that we've been blindsided by any more things than the first few months of 2020. we had this 2020 cliché and theme and kind of had this outlook that this is a time for vision, this is a time to look ahead, but none of us foresaw what was going to happen in the first few months of this year. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about all of the things that have happened, the events that have taken place and how that's affected our lives Because I feel that that would be redundant. Most of you have experienced those things. And lived through those things. And we are still living through those things. And I'm thankful that things are getting better. But as much as a pandemic might have caught us by surprise. As much as the unrest and division that is in America might have caught us by surprise. Can I say that. While we didn't see it coming, we have a God that is all-knowing and it didn't catch him off guard. I want to remind you this morning that God did see it coming and the events of the past few months may have surprised you and I, but it did not surprise God. He saw the pandemic, the pain, he saw the contagion, he saw the crisis, he saw the chaos, He saw the economic collapse. He saw the divisions and destruction in America. He foresaw the uh, politicalization of things. He saw the uh, people in the streets and the division that is in our world. And he saw all of the unintended consequences that sometimes we overlook or we don't think about or the fallout from such situations that will Uh, last, no doubt, for many weeks and months to come. The fact is, God knows exactly where you and I are. And that is a very comforting fact that we always need to be reminded of. And never do we need to allow the circumstances that we're currently in to cause us uh, to forget it. Uh, We always need to be encouraged that God knows and has a plan for my life. It may not have been a part of my plan. I may not know or understand why things are happening or occurring as they are, but I can rest assured of one thing. God knows, and I'm in God's hand. And if I'm his child and endeavoring, through faith to walk with him and to serve him and live righteously before him. If I'm endeavoring uh, uh, to allow him and his spirit to lead me, then I can know that he is going to bring me through. Because whatever he brings a person into, if we can remain faithful to him, he'll bring us in time out of it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Some of you have had to endure sickness. Some of you have had to endure uh, very eventful surgery. Some of you have had situations arise in the last six to eight months that uh, caught you off guard. But God knows who you are. And He knows where you are. And He knows what it's going to take to get you through the situation. And can I just stop and say that He has enough grace. He no- has enough enablement. He has enough power to see every individual, no matter what the challenge is, To see them through the situation. Oh, come on. We ought to give God glory for that and praise for that. Though we may not have detected, though we may not have been aware, may not have been even able to feel or to sense his nearness in the situation. Feel his presence during the dilemma that we were facing and going through. God has not missed anything. God has been there all along. And nothing is lost on him. This is a God who said through the prophet Isaiah in 65 and 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, come on, I'm talking about the preemptive nature of God, That before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. In other words, God knows where you'll be before you arrive there. God knows what you will need before you even ask it. And God knows how it's going to end before it ever begins in your life. Isaiah went on to say in chapter 46... And nine, I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, the things that are yet done. In other words, I've got a plan, and it's it may not seem like it's synchronized with your schedule. It may not be uh, what you desired or wanted or even had in your mind as a contingency of what would happen. But I have a plan that I'm working. And I don't work from the front to the back. But I work from the back back to the front. I can take care of this. I can watch over you. I know where this is to end up. I know what is to take place. I know what needs to happen. And if you'll trust me, and that's the key word this morning, if you will trust me and put all of your faith completely in me and not hold back anything in reserve, I'll help you. I'll lead you. I'll give you guidance. I'll be wisdom when you need it. I'll be strength when you need it. I'll be help when you need it. My Bible still said He's an ever present help in the time of need. Come on, you ever thought about that? How do you get more present than present? But it says that He's a very present help in the time of need. Hallelujah. I don't know how you get more than present. But He is always there. I think what that means is is there's a difference in God being everywhere at all times and then His presence being manifest in our life. He's always there. But sometimes we get to see His hand at work. Sometimes He appears to us in situations. Sometimes the invisible becomes visible to us and we suddenly see, now it makes sense why God led me to this place. Now it makes sense. The plan that god has for my life now it makes sense that god while i didn't see him while i didn't understand it while i was asking how come and why and why is this happening to me god understood all along what needed to happen and what needed to take place oh somebody ought to give him a wave offering right now hallelujah 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 Let me just preach to some groups of people here this morning that might be in this congregation. I'm not pinpointing you. I'm not calling you out. But I have been at this long enough to know that people are affected in different ways. And in a congregation, there's various needs. And that's what's so special about our God is while he moves in one area, in one need, in one situation... He can move at the same time in somebody else's life. We don't have to come here this morning and say, well, it's just it's just a day for for healing, or it's just a day for restoration, or it's just a day for someone to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. That's what it takes to be saved, by the way. Amen. And and uh Uh, You know, that's all he can do or he's confined to that specific thing on that specific day. That's not how it works. But God could heal somebody on one side of the building while he is restoring somebody and their faith on the other side of the building. And right here in the center section, he, he could touch somebody's life and, and give them the encouragement and the direction that they need. And right over here to my far right, he can minister to somebody and heal their broken heart. I'm telling you, he's not confined to a day of the week. He's not confined to, to what we we put on the schedule. He's not, he's not confined to, to just doing one thing, but he can do all things at all times if we'll trust him. Come on, if we'll put our faith in Him, if we'll believe Him, if we'll open up our heart to God, there's no telling what He could do in this room today. He could fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. He could deliver somebody before we leave this house. Somebody could came to this place bound up in sin can leave. Amen, with those burdens lifted. You can leave this place full of the Holy Ghost. You can leave this place having your sins washed away in waters of baptism. Come on, that's the kind of God I serve. He can work in all things at all times. He's not confined to just working in one area. But when we get in his presence, the Bible said there's fullness. There's fullness. There's fullness of joy. Amen. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. But let me, let me talk to you this morning. Amen. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 19... That Elijah had just experienced one of the greatest victories that he'd ever experienced. I'm going to tell you, when you take on the devil like he did on Mount Carmel, when you challenge false prophets, when you take a stand of conviction like this man did, you can can just rest assured you're going to get some devils stirred up. And he got the... Well, I started to say the queen of all devils, Jezebel, stirred up against him. And, uh, well, I could preach on that a little while, but I won't. But I just suffice it to say that spirit of Jezebel is still alive and well in the world today. Matter of fact, you read about this in, in 1 Kings and you read about this same lady in the book of Revelation. And you say, well, how is that? Did she live that long? No, but her spirit still exists. And it's a spirit that is existing in the end time, a spirit of rebellion, a spirit of rising up against, a spirit that says, I'm not going to submit to any apostolic authority. Nobody is going to tell me. Nobody. I'm not even going to submit to God's Word and God's plan for my life. Nothing is going to constrain me. And that's really the... The the times that we're living in is in a, a time when people are unconstrained. They have no borders on their emotions. Uh, they have no borders on their anger. They have no borders on their hostility. They they have no discipline in their life. That's why they can that's why they can loot and steal and and show violence. Uh, is because uh, they have no borders on their emotions. And, and, and that is something that is a cross-section of our world and our society today. It's not confined to race. It's not confined to, to, to certain groups of people. It's in the rich and it's in the poor. It's everywhere you look. There's there's uncontrolled anger. There's uncontrolled hostility. There's brother turning against brother. Those are signs, my friend, of the end time. I said those are signs of the end time. That's in the scripture. The Bible tells me that men's hearts shall uh, fail them for fear. We're seeing that. We're, We're seeing that brother is turning against brother. Amen. We're seeing that in our world today. People turning against their own. That That is a sign of the end time. And I'm going to tell you, a new policy probably is not going to fix it. I'll tell you, there needs to be new policies. I, I'll defend that. But I'll tell you, what is going to give a permanent fix to the problems of America is the Holy Ghost. Is in an old fashioned power of God coming into the lives of people. Is New Testament salvation that that the Bible tells me makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh, The Bible tells me that once you get what I'm talking about, hatred and anger and anguish and all of that, it goes away and suddenly you get a new life. You get a new outlook. You get a good new desire. You get a new vision as to how to live. Praise God. Praise God. That's that's what it's going to take. But, I mean, he got the devil stirred up. And he realized it immediately. And he went from this great pinnacle of victory into a low. And I'm not sure at this point he knew exactly how to handle it. And really, when you study the life of Elijah, he had some exhilarating highs and extreme lows. That was the nature of things. And he's resting or napping or whatever underneath a juniper tree. I'm not certain what a juniper tree is, but I like the sound of it. And uh, he's there and he's sleeping so heavy that the angel of the Lord has to wake him up. Isn't that interesting in Scripture how often that happens? I mean, if I'm Simon Peter and I'm in prison, I don't think an angel would have to wake me up. I'm just saying. Matter of fact, I'd probably be there biting my nails. Wondering what's going to happen at the morning's light, especially if Herod had said he's going to take my head off just like he did James. But but somehow or another, Simon Peter's asleep. I believe it takes a peace of God to have that kind. Of. And, and so the Angel of the Lord touches him and says, Arise, and he looks and on a coal of fire that is there, there's a meal that's been prepared. And he said, For him to eat. He said, for the journey, the journey is too great for you. In other words, you you need to partake of this that I prepared for you. The Lord is saying through this angel, because I know what lies ahead. The greatest, we can't let this anointing die with you. But you've still got to meet a young man by the name of Elisha and this anointing be transferred to him. You, you still have some response. You can't quit now. You can't get discouraged now. You, you can't give up at this point. I know you've had some knocks and I know you've had some trouble, but don't give up. And matter of fact, I'm going to give you something that is going to sustain you through the next little part of this journey that you're going to have to walk through. And I think that's so significant because when we run up against a wall sometimes, we get to thinking. We get to thinking that this is it. This is the end. This is as far as I can go. We we hit a struggle and say, well, I give up. I quit. I can't go any further. I can't do any more. But I'm going to tell you that is simply not the will of God for you to surrender and to give up just because you've had a downset, just because you've had some struggles, just because you've had some problems. Matter of fact, it may be just like Elijah here in this verse; these verses of scripture. It may be that you're just uh, you're just getting started into what God wants you to do. Yes, you've seen some victories. Yes, you've seen God work in some marvelous way, But there's more miracles. Uh, there's greater things. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you can't stop the journey until I. Like, him you're caught up out of this world amen until the rapture we got to keep running we got to keep believing we got to keep the faith we can't stop we can't stop praying we can't stop worshiping we can't stop coming to the house of god we cannot stop having faith in what god can do matter of fact we can't stop having revival and encouraging the spirit of revival in the church we can't stop working for god until he comes I know what lies ahead. I know what is before you. That is, again, a very comforting thing to understand is that I know that that there's some great things that are going to confront you. You think this is tough. There's some greater things that's going to happen. But one thing I want you to understand is I have something to sustain you. Just like the Lord told the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee. I know we got a misinterpretation of what really grace is and and some people think that grace is a license to do whatever. However Live however you want to live and, and you always got that to fall back on. But grace, you don't understand grace if that's your concept of grace. Grace is enablement. Grace is strength when you need it. Grace is when you, you feel like you can't go on and God gives you that extra little burst that you need to be able to do the work that he's called you to do. You just set out and make up your mind, Paul, that you're going to do the work that I've called you to do. And when the time comes that you need it, there's going to be the strength there. There's going to be the help. There's going to be the resources there. I'm going to give you grace. You, you, are going to, you're going to say, I don't know how I'm going to tolerate the persecution, but, but I'm going to give you grace and you're going to have, you're going to have that ability to, to handle the situation that you didn't think humanly was possible. But because of my grace, you're going to be sustained because of my grace, you're going to be able to make it. Oh, that ought to cost somebody to get shouting happy this morning to know and to understand that God's not going to drop you when you need Him most. He's going to be there for you. Which reminds us of the importance of every church service. Every time we convene here, God is feeding us for what we need that lies ahead of us. We need every move of God. We need everything we can receive from the Word of God. We need every touch of God, an anointing of God in a church service that we can receive. We see another instance where God was looking ahead for His people. In Acts chapter 4, this is when the church is really in its beginning stages. The the church was born, of course, in Acts chapter 2 with the day of Pentecost. And the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And it spread from Jerusalem to Judea. And then to Samaria. And the othermost parts of the earth. But before all of that in chapter 4. The Bible says the church at Jerusalem. They came and they brought and laid down. At the apostles feet. Uh, they, they made all things common. They, they sacrificed and they gave. And. One could have thought, well, what's the significance of this? What's the importance of this? I mean, wouldn't they have been better served have they invested and kept something for themselves and not put their all into this and invested everything? But you see, the Lord was looking ahead because in less than one generation in A.D. 70, Titus, the governor, or the, the uh, Titus, the General of the the Roman Empire came into the city of Jerusalem and totally destroyed the city of Jerusalem. It's a historic fact totally upended the city of Jerusalem so they would have lost everything anyway is what I'm trying to say. Every possession would have been destroyed. All would have been lost and so in foresight God began to deal with these people and they were willing to invest everything into the kingdom of God and they were ready and prepared and the church was stronger when that day came, when persecution came and scattered them out of the city of Jerusalem. They were prepared to go forth. And the church has never died out because God has always been a step ahead of the enemy. God has always been able to look ahead of what the enemy has endeavored to do to destroy the church and the work of God. I'm going to tell you, it's not the will of God. We just stay clustered around one idea and one concept and never allow it to go outside these doors and never allow revival to get outside to the city of Texarkana Amen. But we got to, to allow the Spirit of God to go forth and use us and multiply us So that in these end times it's important that we follow the Spirit and be sensitive to God Because there's greater days ahead There's greater revival for us There's more souls that God wants to reach for the kingdom of God Oh yes, come on, let's give Him some praise right now We can look at it in the individual lives. Acts chapter 9. Saul, of course, is doing what he feels is right. He is breathing out threatenings and railings against the church. On a road to Damascus. You know the story. I don't mean to be redundant, but a great light shines from heaven, and he realizes he gets a revelation Of who Jesus is. And he says this, Whom art thou, O Lord? And he said, What am I to do? In other words, I am totally surrendered. You know, if you're gonna get something from God, that's the attitude you gotta have. That's a sign of true repentance, is dying out to your will. And saying, I, I, I lay everything else down, and I'm surrendering it all to you. I want you to take control of my life. And the scripture says that the Lord directed him to go to Ananias' house, who was a preacher. And at the same time, God begins to deal with Ananias. And, of course, as I said the other night, he had some reluctance, and understandably so. This is a man that had quite a reputation as a persecutor of the church. But I want you to notice what the Lord spoke to him. He said, Go thy way, for he, talking about Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me. Go thy way. In other words, don't be reluctant. Don't hold back. Don't worry about it. I got this. It's taking, I've got control of it. He is a chosen vessel unto me. And so he was ready. When the knock came on the door, he opened up his arms and said, Brother Saul, I've been waiting for you. I've been looking forward to this time. I've been looking forward to meeting you. You know what? That took faith. That took faith and sensitivity to the voice of God. That took an open heart to receive this man and realize that God had the power to change a person's life and their direction. We need that same kind of faith that no matter how bad a person has been, no matter what lifestyle that they lived before they got here, that once they come to an altar, and repent of their sins and are obedient to this Acts 2.38 message and repent and are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That there's a real, true, powerful life change that, that occurs in their life. That they're not the same person and that we receive them and understand that God has the ability to change their life. Come on, how many believes that can be so? How many knows it to be so because of your own life? A chosen vessel. I mean, this guy, it hadn't been too long ago, he was a persecutor of the church, ordering people to be stoned and killed and beaten. And God says to Ananias, he is a chosen vessel. I'm going to believe right here in this room that there's people that may... Not be right now living up to it. You may not be all that God has ordained or called for you to be at this very moment. But God has chosen. God has Set aside a purpose for your life. There is something that God wants to do. You you may not even be able to see it right now. and Envision it right now. It may seem like uh, that that is not even a possibility. If, if the plan of God was revealed to you. You would say that is impossible. That could not happen. But I am telling you if you trust God. And have faith in God. God is able to do the work. God is able to change your life. God is able to use you. God is able to bring you up and out of that situation. God is able to put your home and your family back together again. God is able to give you a stronger marriage. God is able to help you and correct the situation with your finances. God is able to heal your body. God is able to take the addiction away. God is able to remove desire for sin in the world away. God is able to make immoral people, moral people. Amen. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the power of God and his ability to work in your life. That's what God is able to do. Amen. How many feels him in this room right now? Why don't we give some prayer and praise unto God right now. Come on, let's really reach out to him right now all across this place. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Come on, that's all right. Let's feel after God for just a moment. Sometimes we just breeze right over one of those divine interruptions that God is bringing into a church service. God was speaking to this prophet Jeremiah. All the way back at the beginning, chapter 1 of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came into me saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. In other words, while you were still in the womb, I had a plan. I had a purpose. I had an idea of what I wanted you to become. A prophet. Does that mean that man cannot get in the way of that plan? Of course, man can get in the way of that plan. Human will can a lot of times obstruct God's will. That's why our will has to come in alignment with God's will and God's purpose for our lives. We have to yield to the will of God. But he said before you were even formed, I knew thee. I had a plan for you. And then in our text, he speaks, and he says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. I haven't forgot you. And perform my good word toward you, in causing you to return to this place For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Hallelujah. God spoke to an individual, a prophet, and then he spoke through that individual. You understand what I'm saying? While he was just a baby being formed in the womb, God had a plan for Jeremiah's life and when he submitted his life to the plan of God he was able to impact a nation that got in trouble. And he was able to speak as the voice of God to that nation and say, I know my thoughts and I've got plans for you and I'm going to bring you back to the place you belong and I'm going to restore you and I'm going to give back to you. I'm preaching to somebody in this room. It's not over yet, but there's an expected end. There may have been situations that have or in your life, that arose in your life and, and situations that you have been through of late that have caused you to wonder and to doubt even, and misfortunes and unexpected and unplanned for happenings in your lives. But that doesn't have to identify you. That doesn't have to be the thing that you're remembered by. That doesn't have to be the end of the story. But there's an expected end. God has a plan if we'll yield to it today. Why don't you stand with me right now. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's give Him praise together right now. Come on, lift up your voice to the Lord and let's talk to Him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. If you've got a family member right next to you, why don't you join with them and pray with them? Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Come on. Let's pray together. Let's pray for one another. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I give you praise, oh, God. I truly honor you and worship you and thank you. end. The young man was involved in a tragic car accident. Because of the accident, he lost his left arm all the way at the shoulder. But he tried very desperately to not allow it to keep him from pursuing things that he was interested in. on with his life and so he uh, had an interest in martial arts I'm not here this morning at all promoting that but I want to tell this story and so he went to a particular place where martial arts was taught I think it was actually judo that he was seeking to be master or what they call the sensei of the academy that, that taught this he said do you think you could take me as a student he said well I believe I could and so he began to train him and teach him the moves he began to go up through various degrees and showed astounding resilience and determination he went all the way up Finally he came to his instructor It was time for a tournament to take place In the region where he lived He said do you think that I could ever Be involved in one of those tournaments think I've got what it takes He said well I I think so He said but there's one particular move That I'm going to teach you he said, "We're going to work on that. We're going to have to be very diligent to learn it. You're going to have to, you have to master that move. So that's exactly what this young man set out to do. And matter of fact, he worked and worked for days, and weeks, and even months, perfecting this one move. It was actually a throw. And uh, finally, he got kind of bored with that, and he came to the instructor and he said you mean this is all that I'm going to be practicing can I move on learn something else he said no he said you just keep working at that you keep working at that he said that's all you need to know other than the basic things that you already know so they went to the tournament and first opponent no doubt had it in his mind that because of this young man's handicap he would exploit it and he would easily win he rushed in and when he did he, uh, he didn't calculate some things and, and the young man was able to pin him to the mat and he won the round and this gave him a little confidence and the next opponent came and he was able to defeat him and then the next opponent finally it was all the way up last round and that last round the instructor told him he said at the right time I'm going to give you the cue and I want you to implement the move that we practiced, but don't do it until I tell you and the round got started and it was very competitive in the Opponent was able to almost overtake him in several different periods of the, the bout. And finally the signal was given and the young man implemented the move that he had practiced and been taught by the instructor so diligently. And to his surprise his opponent fell to the mat and he was able to pin him and win the championship of the tournament in his division he went to his instructor and he asked him he said what what is it about this why was that move so effective against this opponent he said well it would have been effective against any aggressive opponent he said that particular move is a move that is only effective if the person using it doesn't have a left arm because it's indefensible. The only way that you can get out of that hold, the only way that you can overcome that particular move is to be able to take the opponent's left arm and you don't have one. And so there was absolutely no defense for your opponent. And you won. Can I tell you that here this morning, what may seem like a weakness in your life, what may seem like a demotion, a setback, a misfortune, a tragedy even, can I tell you that if you yield yourself to God, God could have been using that very thing all along. He said in his word that he would use Babylon as an instrument in his hand to get the attention of his people. God uses circumstances and situations and allows us to face certain things so that we'll remember that we're not all of that, but he's everything that we need. Sometimes it takes the recognition that we are weak, but he is strong. Sometimes it takes the recognition that I can't make it without you. I can't do this without you. I wonder if there's anybody that realizes that here this morning and would be bold enough to come to this altar and say, God, Amen. It may seem like the end, but this is not what I... I I've, I, I know that you have a greater plan to my life. I want that there's somebody that just refuses to give up and there's somebody that just refuses to allow this to be the final count in your life. But you'll come to this altar and say, God, I surrender. I give everything. I want the expected end that you have planned for me. I want you to help me. I want you to make a way for me. I want you to... I want you to give me the strength that I need and the help that I need and the guidance that I need. God, you're able to enable me. You're able to strengthen me. You're able to bless me. You're able to touch my life. As they prepare to sing, I wonder if there's people right here this morning that would yield your heart to God and surrender yourself completely to Him. Open up to Him and say, God, I need you this morning. I need you. This may seem like a weakness, but maybe that's what it took for me to come to an altar. It may seem like something that I can't overcome, but maybe that's what it took to get me to pray and to give it to God and surrender it to Him. Maybe it took this misfortune to turn my attention and focus back to you, God. If it's so, then I open up my heart and I yield myself and I realize my...